0: Well, we're working our way through, through Acts, and um, one thing I wanted to reiterate about Acts is just this overall picture of what the book is about. Uh, Luke, who also wrote one of the Gospels about Jesus, wrote this book about what happened with God's people after Jesus had died, and he starts the book by saying, I wrote to you before about all the things that Jesus began to do and began to teach Um, Before he was taken up to heaven and and so it sort of suggests that now After Jesus has been taken up to heaven What he's going to talk about is what Jesus is going to continue to do After he's gone to heaven, but he's going to do it through his people instead of directly being physically here on earth so uh, One good thing to keep in mind as we're looking at all these stories in acts is that the main actor the main person doing things in these stories is jesus the main actor is jesus not necessarily the people that are being described like peter or the leaders but if we can pay attention and see what is jesus doing what is jesus saying i think it'll help us to see better what's going on here and it will help us to apply these stories to today because the same thing's happening today as what's happening then. Jesus is continuing to do things. He's continuing to teach things. And if we can recognize him here, we can recognize him in our lives and in what's going on in the world. So at this particular time, what had just happened as we looked at last week, uh, was a man who had been born lame. He couldn't walk. Um, For 40 years, he lived that way. Over 40 years, he lived that way. He often came and sat at this gate um, asking for money. Peter and John walked by one day and somehow realized that Jesus wanted to heal him that day. And so they looked at him and they said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he did. And not surprisingly, everyone was pretty astonished that this happened. And They they all gathered around and were like, what what just happened? What's going on? Peter and John took the opportunity to start to share about Jesus. Um, And as they're doing this, as they're talking to the people, we pick it up here in this chapter four with the priests and the leaders coming and interacting. And here's how it starts. The, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people They were greatly disturbed. I liked Alex's translation. They were annoyed. Because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and Because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And the main thing I want to focus in on this morning with us is Uh, The difference between how uh, the leaders, both religious and non-religious leaders, and Peter and John reacted differently to what Jesus was doing. Jesus was doing something. He wanted to be kind and heal this person. And I want to look at how the two different people in this reacted to what Jesus was doing. And I think the short summary of it is that the leaders Um, The priests, the the temple guard, the Sadducees, other people reacted to this event out out of fear. Their actions and their words were motivated by a fear that was inside them. But Peter and John reacted to this event and this opportunity from a place of love, of engaging with love. And we'll see how they both got there and how both of those ways of engaging with what's happening in the world, with what God is doing, what those things lead to, and maybe how we might be able to make the choice to live from a place of love rather than living from a place of fear. Because when we live from a place of love, things like, you know, eternal life, freedom, joy, peace, hope, all those things come to us and to others. We live from love, but when we live from fear, things like oppression, things like violence, things like destruction, hate, judgment, criticism, bondage—all of those things come, you know. And our enemy, our great enemy, the devil, is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy anything that matters to God, including us. And fear is one of his best tools. So, so how do we end up in one of these places or the other? How do we end up, you know, reacting from fear or reacting? From love so let's look what what happened with the leaders what was going on uh, first we see that they were greatly disturbed what was it that disturbed them they were disturbed because the Apostles Peter and John were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead um, and in response to this they put Peter and John in jail um, to, to stop what they were doing. so Why was what they were teaching disturbing to them? What was it? Um, The the next section gives us our first clue of where they were coming from. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? So their first question, what they're focusing on is what power is going on here? What name are you doing this? And I think this reveals that they operate in the economy of power and and that they looked at the situation from the perspective of who has the power, who is controlling what's going on, we feel disturbed and threatened because they're presenting something that is threatening our power. Um, Peter and John were talking about the resurrection from, of the dead. They were talking about how Jesus's power had made this guy. Well, that Jesus could offer salvation. Jesus could offer hope. Jesus could offer all of these things that we need, but they felt like, we are the ones, the leaders, the priests, they were like, I thought we were the ones who were representing God to the people. We are the ones who put out the rules and the laws that help people connect with God. We are the ones who know what it is that God wants us to do and the people to do. We are the ones with the power here to make things good for everybody. And now Peter and John are coming and saying, no, it's this guy, Jesus, Jesus, who has the power to bring good things into our lives. So they're feeling that their power is being undercut and they're feeling threatened. Um, and the, the power that they are relying on is the power that they have in themselves to know what is good, to do what is good and to teach other people what is good. Um, and when we, when we put our hope in that place, when we put our hope in what it is that we can do, what it is that we can know, what it is that we can do to, to live right, to help others to do things, then then fear accompanies that. Because when we fear that our power and our ability is not enough, that something else is going to come in and take that away, or that's going to be something that's not going to carry the day, then we fear that our well-being is at stake, our security is at stake. And so we fear and we act out of fear to defend what we think we might lose. So, So they engage with Peter and John over this and they say, okay, what power or what name? Did you do this? Like, what power is threatening our power, right? And so Peter responds, and we'll look at Peter's response a little more detail later, but for now we'll skip down to verse 13. Um, Peter Peter responds with something, uh, basically reiterating that it was Jesus who did this. And then in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Here's another sign that what it is that they were relying upon was their abilities. You know, they, they were like, hey, these guys, these guys aren't even educated. We're really educated. They're not educated. They're ordinary. We're extraordinary people. They're ordinary people. Like, how how are they threatening our power? We are the ones who should have the power because we're the ones who. Have ability. We're the ones who have standing. We're the ones who have education. We're the ones who have all these things that should make it so that we are the ones who control this. But they were astonished. <laughs> it says, but they looked and they're like, well, we know this guy was lame. We know this guy couldn't walk. Everyone knows that. And now he's standing here healthy. So we can't we can't really say anything. We'd like to say something against what they did, but it's hard to say anything against because he's standing right. So they ordered them to withdraw and they said, well, what are we going to do? Um, Everyone in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So they're like, "What? we have to stop this thing. Why, Why did they have to stop this thing? Because they felt like what was, what was right and good was going to be for the people and everyone to follow how they thought things should go, how they thought people should follow God, what, what they had set out as the leaders of the people, that people should follow them. If they follow someone else, it wasn't going to work out. So they have to stop this thing that's right. threatening. Um, so they, they, they said, We have to stop this thing. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For The man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So, so we can see what brought about this fear for the leaders because they had put their hope on their own power, their own ability, and it was being threatened. So they, so they feared what might happen, that they might lose their well-being, might lose their security. So they reacted to that by trying to control the situation, by we have to stop this thing. We, we're gonna command these people to do stuff. Um, we're gonna threaten them. So they're using all these so sort of coercive and powerful ways of trying to control and when we think about oppressors and that's basically what they were doing they were oppressing peter and john they were using their power to get what they wanted oftentimes when we think about oppressors we think of evil people who are just out for themselves out to do bad. but i think most of the time in their minds in the minds of these leaders they thought they were doing what was good for them and good for the people. They probably convinced themselves that they were being altruistic. They probably thought they were even doing this for God because they, they thought they knew how God wanted the, their people to live. And they were the holders of that truth. And so they, they said, well, these people are threatening God. So we have to defend God. We have to defend him. We have to stop this thing by any means necessary. And they felt like there was an end goal that they were driving towards, what they thought was good, what they thought was going to be best, and what they thought God wanted was the end goal that they were working towards. And then whatever means, maybe they weren't happy about having to, you know, threaten people or you know kill people. These were the same people who you know killed Jesus and later they would continue to do violence. Those means were because they wanted to get to this end that they saw, where they what they thought was good for them, what they thought was good for everybody. But the problem is when we work from this place where um, what's important to us is our own abilities, our own powers, and we rely on what we think is good and what we think should happen for ourselves and for others um, then we're really just trying to bring other people under our sphere of influence and power And, and we have this end in mind that we're working towards and the end justifies whatever means we need to get there and that turns people into turns puts us in a place where we're going to not treat people with humanity anymore And you can tell that the leader's focus here was not on the person who was healed. It's it's to them, the person who's standing there healed was an inconvenience. They're like, we would like to say something against Peter and John, but we can't because this guy's standing here healed. That's inconvenient for us. But they didn't see that God had done an amazing thing to heal this person. They they didn't see him; they just saw the inconvenience that he caused them and their idea of what the end goal should be. But if we can realize that our role as people, our role as followers of Jesus, our role as a church is not to figure out the end goal of what is good and how everything should work out, but that our goal is to let God figure out the end goal of what is good and work towards that and for us to let people know that it's God who has that power and we can trust him and we can look to him. Because... When we hold on to that end goal, other people who disagree with what we think the end goal should be become our enemies to be destroyed, to be defeated, to set ourselves against. So anyone who disagrees with us has to, if we're gonna get to that good goal that we think we need to go to, then those people are gonna be threats to us and they'll they'll need to be fought against. And in the end, we can't win. We just have to destroy them. But if we let God be the controller, the holder of what is good and right, and working towards the end, if we let go of that, and we then it opens up the possibility to interact with people who disagree with us, to interact with people who don't think the same as us. Not as enemies, not as those to be fought against, but to the, for those to stand side by side next to them and journey towards Jesus together because both of us need Jesus. Both of us need him. And when we stand side by side with others, that doesn't mean that we agree that what they think is good is good. We can still hold on to what we think is good and still find ways to work towards that. But we have to realize that we are not the holders of the ultimate good. We are not the holders of the good end, right? And that allows us to find common ground, with even people who seem to be polar opposites from where we're coming from. And, you know, this kind of dynamic, you sometimes feel like, well, if we're in the church, if we're following God, then, obviously what we're pursuing is good and right. And so it's, it's maybe even easier in religious circles, like for these leaders to get to this place where we're responding from fear because we're, we feel like we've got what's good and we're defending it. so, so just because it's in the name of God or the name of Jesus doesn't mean that we're acting from love or not from fear. So fear one of the roots of fear is a belief that our well-being is dependent on our own power or godliness. So what did it, what did it look like for Peter and John? How, how did they act in this situation without fear? You can see a number of ways that they're responding to the leaders without fear. Even they saw, wow, the courage of Peter and John. And they, they were told not to talk in this name like we're going to do it <clears throat> You know, looking back to last week, the first thing that they did was they were going through life and looking for situations where God was at work. They walked to the temple and they saw this guy and they somehow realized that that day, they'd seen this guy a lot before probably, but they somehow realized that day Jesus wanted to heal him. And so they were like, oh, it seems like Jesus wants to do something today. Let's participate in that. They were paying attention. And they realized that it wasn't about them because all the people gathered around them and were like, wow, look at what happened. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, this is chapter 3, verse 12, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by, as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man? verse 16 by faith in the name of jesus this man whom you see and know was made strong it is jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see and the, peter gives a similar answer here in chapter four when the rulers ask what power or name did you do this it says then peter filled with the holy spirit so you know says, so filled with the holy spirit because it's calling attention to the fact that this is something that Jesus is saying, not just Peter saying this, but Jesus is saying this through his spirit. So, right? Like Luke is saying, hey, look what Jesus is doing. Look what Jesus is saying. Look what Jesus is teaching. This is one of the things that he's saying. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So if the leaders are approaching this situation trusting their own power, their own abilities, their own goodness, their own knowledge about what is good and how things should be Peter and John are adamant that they are approaching the situation trusting not in their own abilities not in their own power it's like it had nothing to do with us that this happened Jesus was doing this we participated Um, and and so one of the one of the things that follows from that or one of the things that helps them to get to a place where they're acting like that is their experience and knowledge that jesus rose from the dead and that god is offering resurrection from the dead to all of us as well because the only way that it makes sense to not trust in our own abilities our own power is if our own abilities and power is not enough is not good right because if we were good enough to you know, ensure our well-being and the well-being of others through our own efforts, then it makes sense to trust in that, right? But if we've come to a point where we realize, you know what, my best efforts, my, my, my knowledge, what I bring to the table is just not good enough to ensure my well-being and the well-being of those around me, then you realize you need help. You need someone to come in and do it for you. And Peter and John had come to the place where they realized we need help. We're actually in a place where we're pretty much dead without someone coming to help. We need someone to come in and resurrect our lives both spiritually and in the end, physically, in all ways. So they said, look, in Jesus, there's hope for that. In no other place is there hope for that. But in Jesus, there's hope for that. And so they approached this situation from that place where we don't have the power. It's not our ability. um, but it's Jesus's. And one of the things that this approach allowed for them was to see the humanity in the situation. When they encountered this person who was there laying, they they didn't see an inconvenience. They didn't see something that got in the way of their plans. They got in the way of their day. They're like, we're on our way to pray here. That's the end goal. And this guy's in our way and he's, you know, making it, inconvenient he's annoying us by being here no they saw his humanity because they weren't going to the temple to pray because that was what was going to earn them security that was what but it was they were going there to be with God and they knew that God and Jesus might show up anywhere not just the temple so they were paying attention so they were able to see that Jesus wanted to do something kind for this guy. And they, they interacted with him on that basis. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I when I read this story uh, and about Peter and John seeing this guy and saying, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. I imagine like what if I what if I tried to do something like that what if I saw someone who was not well or disabled and you know I, I felt like Jesus wanted to heal them and I went up to them and said this and, and I think about that possibility there's that, there's like there's fears that come up in my heart one of, the, one of the main fears is that I would I would say that and then nothing would happen and I'd be, and I would feel uh, I think I fear I'd feel embarrassed but i realized as i reflected on that fear you know why why would i be embarrassed if i tried that and it didn't work i think i would be embarrassed because in some sense i would have felt like i failed apparently there wasn't there was something wrong with me that made it so that the healing didn't work maybe i didn't have enough faith or maybe i didn't say the right words maybe i wasn't you know, I didn't have enough power. I didn't do something. Maybe I had a sin that was unconfessed or something like that. But I realized that that's relying on my own power and abilities. And Peter and John just didn't, weren't thinking that way. They they just, you know, said, let's do this and see what happens. And as I stopped to think about that kind of fear that comes up, I realized it happens in a lot of places in my life. Um, In relationships, you know, with with Audrey, sometimes maybe there's something that I'm feeling or something that I'm thinking that I'm wondering, debating whether to say something about it or tell her, and there's fears that come up of, oh, what what kind of response is she going to have? What what kind of, um, is she going to, you know, embrace this part of me that maybe I don't feel that great about? Is she going to judge me? Is she going to be critical of me? Is she going to withdraw or distance herself from me? You know, if she, if she discovers how, you know, messy things are inside of my heart. Um, and that's a similar fear. If I'm relying on my well-being based on me being good or being able to control that. So, so that fear keeps me from being vulnerable. Um, or maybe, you know, I have an idea of something to do in the neighborhood or some, some new thing. Fears come up about like, Oh, well, what if it doesn't work? Or what if people don't like it or what, if, you know, these kinds of things. One, one last area I thought of was relationships that I feel like are maybe strained or distant with family or friends that I kind of want to, I wish they were better. I, I think I have a tendency to, you know, distance myself from those relationships because i fear if i engage further there's going to be this uncomfortableness there might be more rejection there might it's just hard and so the temptation is to withdraw uh, because of fear and fear of what might happen but but in that but that situation in all these situations if, if we withdraw and we don't engage we miss out on opportunity to participate in something that god might want Uh, as Peter and John were able to participate in this. Fear keeps us separated from connecting with other people, but love opens us to the meaningful connections we desperately need and want. Um, So, you know, to close, I just wanted to, I don't know, kind of paint a picture of each of these approaches. What does it look like to live from power and fear? What results from that? And, And then what results from, you know, embracing the life based on the power of Jesus and living from love. Um, living from power and fear, I think, results in you know a fear of revealing who we really are or what we're really doing to others, not being able to be real and vulnerable. It, it results in judgment and criticism of others. It results in promoting our own way of doing things over others. We spend a lot of our time and energy trying to control or manage other people in order to fulfill our vision of what that good end should look like. And as a result, we miss opportunities to participate in the blessing God is pouring out on people. Conversely, when we embrace the life based on the power of Jesus, living from love, we have confidence to unashamedly be who we are and do what we think is best. We're free from fear of being vulnerable. We rejoice when good things happen to others, even others who we think are maybe not good or not doing the right thing, haven't earned it. Or when those good things happen in a way that we don't expect them or think they should happen, we can still rejoice because it's a good thing. Um, you know, we're free, free from all kinds of fear in whatever area. We're able to embrace love and love others. And lastly, we're able to participate in the things Jesus is doing around us all the time, uh, which, is, which is such a joy. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of Andrew, what he was saying of, you know, just realizing that he's participating in God's work and someone else recognizing that and just the joy and satisfaction that comes from realizing that, Oh, like we're part of something that matters. Not that it was Andrew's power or ability or anything about him that made it happen, but just that he was there and part of it. He showed up. It was just such a blessing uh, to be able to be a part of that. So, so I encourage, encourage you to reflect like what areas and things, where do you find yourself being fearful and, uh, dig into what, <clears throat> what kinds of ways are you relying on yourself in that situation? What would it look like in that situation to replace relying on your own abilities or worrying about how you're going to make it work to, uh, to lay that burden on God, for God to work out the ends, for God to work towards what is good, and to be the one who has the power and the ability to carry the day. Uh, let's pray together. God, we're so grateful that you have offered yourself to us as the one uh, to to carry us through, to carry the day, to be the one who has the power, who has the abilities, who has all of what it takes to secure our well-being and the well-being of those around us. Thank you for, for being there with us. Thank you for that promise, even when you know, life brings us ups and downs, but you are there to secure our soul's well-being and the final end for us that's going to be good. You're going to work things out for our good. Help us to to see you in the midst of the hard things, to rejoice in the midst of the good things. Uh, just empower our hearts to choose uh, to trust you and to choose to rely on your power over our own to be able to let go of needing things to work out in a certain way, but just entrusting you to be able to see each person in our lives, in their humanity. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.